0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm ready to get into the word this morning. Now, Last week, uh, we had a, a message that was interrupted just simply by time. We got into it. And we started finding a place where I thought it was a good place for us to set. We were going to believe God that our prayer time was going to be conversational. That there wouldn't just be a one-way street of connection, us talking to God, but us pausing to listen for his response. And we read a few verses that set the table for this, and I want to give you some of those. We're not going to re-preach the message, but we're going to touch on it so that we can all be on the same page this morning because I'm really excited for where we have the opportunity to go right here and right now. Now, the whole point of the message was to prophesy, to prophesy. Now, I gave you definitions last week of to prophesy. Now, some of us come from different church backgrounds. That might be a word we've never heard before. It might have been a word we heard every week. I grew up in a church where people would prophesy. It was practiced regularly. It was a a, a celebration. But not everybody had that privilege. People grew up in other circles where that was a foreign thing. But even if you've been exposed to it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've been exposed to it in an appropriate or accurate way. Because oftentimes today, we call everything prophecy, right? Kind of like Texans do with soda pop, right? You ever had anybody ask you, hey, you want a Coke? You're like, sure. And they're like, well, what kind? I'm like, well, okay. I'll take a Sprite. I'm like, okay, you know. But we just kind of call everything prophecy. And the truth is, there's, there's different gifts in the Spirit. They're verbal and they they function because you have to have the Holy Spirit inspire you to to speak the words and reveal the words to you. Uh, A big one is like the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge would be if if I were up here ministering and God were to say, you know, that woman on the back row is going through the most difficult time in her life and I want you to tell her that I'm going to make a way for victory and to hold on. That would be a word of knowledge because I have no idea that the woman's going through that, but yet the Spirit of God knows. And to reveal that he's aware, to reveal his love and his affection, to reveal that, that he is aware of that need and able and willing to meet it, he would make a public declaration in a way that, that would prove to her and testify to her that God is here. He's aware of me, and he's going to come to my aid. That's a word of knowledge, but we would call it a prophetic word, you know, because we, it's kind of like the Coke thing. It's like, Well, that was a prophetic word. Well, it's not. It's a word of knowledge. And then there's the word of wisdom. Now, the word of wisdom is different than the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is kind of like there's a problem, and that's it. The word of wisdom would be, obviously, if you knew you had a problem, but you didn't know what to do, right? It's the word of wisdom. You could have a a direction. Hey, God is telling you not to do that transaction. Don't do it. It's going to lead to this. You need to do this instead. And that gives you a direction or a way to step. It's more than just an encouragement that hey God's where my need is going to meet it, but it's instruction in how to actually accomplish the thing that God's doing. It's just it's just a different thing. Now Jesus operated in all of these things. By the way, if you take those gifts of the Holy Spirit, those are the tools that are in our toolbox. That word of wisdom, that word of knowledge, faith, you have healing and the effecting of miracles. Uh, you have prophecy and you have tongues and interpretation of tongues, distinguishing of spirits. We call it discernment. Have you ever met a Christian that, that told you they didn't have discernment? Right? No, everybody, I've got discernment. Well, we'll see. But it's not discernment. It's the distinguishing of spirits is what it is. It's, it's knowing what spirit is at work in a situation. Those things are all these gifts of the Holy Ghost that we have available to us. And they're the same gifts that Jesus would operate in. Anything you read in the New Testament, anything you read in the Old Testament, anything you read in the Scripture at all that has the power of God being released is one or a combination of those things. Those are God's solutions by the Holy Spirit to any problem on the earth. And He's released those solutions through us. One of those, if you heard as I was given off that list, was prophecy, to prophesy. And that's what I wanted to talk about, because I think this is something that we all need. When Paul wrote about prophesying, he said, oh, that you all would prophesy. Now, how many is all? It's everybody. It's, it is, it is, no one's excluded. This is an all-inclusive thing. When we become believers, when we are, are set free from the corruption and the captivity of sin, and we're released into the righteousness of God, When the Holy Spirit comes upon our life and remains for the purpose of the ministry and the gifts of heaven to flow through our lives, we are all called to prophesy. And I want us to catch this for this purpose. I think if we can see this, it will affect how we live our lives. It will affect the results of the things of God in our lives. It will have an impact on the world around us. And I actually think it could be the most evangelistic tool that we could have as a church. To begin to function in prophecy. Now we read the definition of prophecy last week. I want to read it again. I'll give you my favorite one. Last week we read read three and they're all virtually the same. But the one that I want us to focus on is the only one I want to read today. So if you're taking notes and you want to write it down, to prophesy. To prophesy, to reveal the will or message of God. To reveal the will or the message of God. Now we talked about revealing. That to reveal something means it's there but it's not seen. If I were to take a sheet and cover this little table right here. It would be there but you wouldn't be able to see it until it was revealed. Well God has a wonderful plan. He's got intention and purpose. There's not a situation or a circumstance that he's ever stumbled upon and been shocked Or concerned, like, oh, didn't see that coming. Better come up with something quick. He's got this plan, and he's got a response to every single thing that's on the earth because he is aware. He is in tune. And so many of the things that are going on in our lives have more intention and purpose than our minds can wrap around. But throughout this process, he is revealing his will for our lives, revealing his will for that situation or that circumstance. And to reveal the will or the message of God, by definition, is to prophesy, which is what the Bible says we all need to be doing. We all need to prophesy. Now, we talked about this just a little bit last week. We talked about what's necessary to do that. If I'm going to reveal the message of God, if I'm going to reveal the will of God, then I'm first going to have to know what the message of God is or know what the will of God is. I can't reveal it if I don't know what it is. That's why we love to read the Word. That's why we celebrate the Scripture. When I grew up, I thought it was a religious discipline to maybe keep my life straight and help me to make good choices. Well, that's all good stuff, but it's more than that. It's to become acquainted with the the Father's heart. It's to become acquainted with how God views the things that are going on around us. It's to become acquainted with how He feels about certain things so that when we face those things, deal those things, or those things confront us in our life, we are able to... Reveal the will of God to that situation. Reveal the will of God to that circumstance. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture that we looked at last week. I'm not going to read them. I'm going to let you write them down. If you were here last week, you already have them probably. But benefits to hearing God's voice. You can write this down, Exodus 15, 26. You'll find a benefit to health. Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 6. You'll find the, the benefit being prosperity. In Joshua 5, 6, you'll find the benefit being purpose. If you look that up in your own time, you'll see that people that didn't listen to the voice of God wandered around. They wandered around until they died. It means they spent their whole life walking in circles. God hasn't called us to walk in circles. He's called us to cross the finish line. We run a race. The difference between somebody running a race and somebody running around is the finish line. And I've spent a lot of my life running around before. And then God begins to set finish lines in place where you know where you're going and you know when you get there. Purpose. When we listen to God's voice, we have purpose. And then the, another benefit was victory. And you'll find that in Exodus 23, 22. That the enemies of God, or the enemies that are your enemies, become the enemies of God when we listen to his voice. So we need to know what God's saying. We need to know what his message is so that we can reveal it. We need to know what his will is so that we can reveal it. I want to talk about these things. I, I feel like we're caught up to a point. Now we mentioned this verse last week, and I want to set it as the foundation for today. Last week, there were a few things that we were going to look for. We found one of the three. I want to give you all three of them right now. If you want to write these down for your notes, we're going to find out what always succeeds. What always succeeds. Now, I've told you last week that the way my mind works, if I hear something like that, that's one I want to take and keep in my pocket so that I know, hey, listen, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm dealing with, I can always apply this, and it's going to bring success. It may not always look like you think it should, but it is a guarantee. It is a lock. It will bring success. So, what always succeeds, another thing that we were going to find is what Jesus' testimony is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then, a the third thing that we were going to find is what we need to be talking to. What we need to be talking to. Not Facebooking and not tweeting but talking to. What we need to be talking to. Those are things that we're going to find today as we continue from last week in this message concerning all of us prophesying. So I want to start here with Isaiah. I want to read in chapter 55. I want to look specifically at verse 11. We read this last week, but this is going to fulfill that first thing, what always succeeds. told you we're going to find out what always succeeds. Remember, to prophesy is to reveal the message of God. To reveal the message of God. Isaiah 55, verse 11, it reads like this This is God talking, God the Father speaking, and He says, So my word, which goes from my mouth, it will not return empty or without accomplishing what I desire. It will succeed in the matter for which I sent it. God's word will always bring about success. And I love that it's so personal. When you read that, there's a few things that I would encourage to allow them to come off the page. It's very personal. Personal, excuse me. I'm sending it. I'm sending it specifically. That means the things where God is sending His word are things that He's aware of. He's not sending random words. He hasn't filled up a box of holy fortune cookies and just poured them out on the earth hoping that you pick the right one for the thing that you're dealing with. But He's aware of the things that we're walking through, aware of the things that we're dealing with, both the successes and the failures, both the good times and the bad. He's aware of all of them. And for every one of them, He has something awesome to say. And he's sending his word specifically and intentionally. Have you ever received maybe a greeting card from someone and you could just tell they really put thought into it? They took the time to think about what was being written. It was personalized. There was a connection there. It wasn't generic. If men and women here on the earth can produce that effect, how much more God the Father sending his word to you? Right on time. Perfect in every way. Encouraging, uplifting, correcting. Absolutely intentional for you. It's personal. So he's sending his word and it's not going to fail. That's the promise. So as we come into this awareness that we're called to prophesy, that we need to receive the word of God so that we can reveal the word of God. Once that word of God is revealed, we are introducing success into whatever it is we are introducing it to. If I desire to see success raising my sons, I need to reveal the will of God concerning them. Uh, parenting is hard. And I was expecting some amens. It's hard, man. And I can't believe that you can be a parent without like passing some kind of course. A safety course maybe, you know? Something like that. Being married is hard. For my wife, it's real hard. (laughs) It is, man. I'm a piece of work. (laughs) But these things, if we want to see success in these things, I enjoy learning things. I enjoy listening to teachings. I don't really enjoy reading books that much, but I enjoy getting the content that's in them. I mean, I enjoy getting better at stuff because I hate to lose and I love to win. But I can become aware of something. As I become aware that to prophesy, to reveal the will of God, the message of God. As I become aware that the message of God is intentionally sent and it will always succeed. If I want to see success raising my children, I need to be revealing the message of God to them. If I want to see my marriage thrive, I need to be revealing the will of God, revealing the message of God into my marriage. I need to be prophesying. Which means I need to hear what God is saying about my marriage and say that. I need to hear what God is saying about my sons and say that. I remember a difficult time, a time that was requiring discipline. With my children, it was hard. And I had put everything spiritual in my life to the test, and, and I had actually come to the end of a rope that was way too short. I was beginning to lose my patience. And I remember that as I was losing my patience, it wasn't helping the situation, it was making it worse. And something happened that I really don't know that I could take credit for. I just know it happened, and I think it's worth sharing. I remember becoming aware of something. I remember becoming aware of something that we even mentioned this morning. I remember becoming aware of the verse, the Scripture, children are a gift from God. And so in the middle of this meltdown, in the middle of this, fit, and you parents know what a meltdown is. Ain't nothing can fix a meltdown. Right? I mean, I've seen some bad ones. You, you, you... you, (laughs) It's tough. And I was losing it. I mean losing it. I wasn't going to win any Parent of the Year awards this night until this happened. I remember that stirring in my heart. Children are a gift from God. And it wasn't met with sarcasm. We're like, well, some gift, you know. (laughs) It had an effect on me. As if, like, there was an awakening, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going about this all wrong. And and not, you know, setting down the paddle and, and toning down my voice, you know, it's not my job to break my son's will. It's not. I remember pulling him aside. and I mean, the fit, the meltdown is still happening. I looked at him. I said, you are a gift from God. You were given to your mother and to me by God, and you're good. You are a gift from God. You were given to your mother and me by God, and you're good. You're a gift from God, and not just a gift, a good gift. Let me tell you something, the environment changed. The meltdown was ministered to, not crushed or subdued, but ministered to. I realized something that day. I realized that... All of my upbringing in church to stand and say, Thus saith the Lord, wasn't nef- necessarily the way to prophesy. Doesn't mean you shouldn't. I'm okay with that. I- I'm fine with that. I love words coming in church. I mean, give me more of them. If it stirs in your heart, come talk to me. We'll get it released to the body. But I realized something. I realized that the thus saith the Lord platform wasn't necessary to prophesy. I can prophesy. I can reveal the will of God to my sons. I can reveal the will of God in my marriage. I can reveal the will of God in the things that I deal with day to day. That's how you can prophesy. So we find out these words. We find out what God's saying. We find out His will. We find out His message by reading the Word. Because his will and his message is revealed in here from Genesis in the very beginning all the way to John on the Isle of Patmos and Revelation at the end. That from end to end is filled with revelation of the will of God and the message of God. And to make it even more awesome, he speaks to us. He talks to us. Now everything he says will come into complete alignment and agreement with everything that's written in here. Because he has revealed it in full. And he'll confirm it with his voice to lead us, guide us, direct us, and confirm His message and His will. Not just so that we can gain intelligence, raise our IQ a few points, but so that we can go to the place where we face the things that He's sending His word to, to bring about His success and release it by prophesying. We talked about prayer a little bit last week. That's where we paused, believing that our prayer would become more conversational. I still want to believe God for that. I hope that you had results last week. If you didn't quite get to put the effort into it that you meant to use this week. But as we understand what God's will is, as we understand what His message is, we become equipped to then release it. And I think when we're able to release the will or reveal the will of God, to reveal the message of God, we're going to see amazing and awesome things. I mean, things that are uh, on biblical proportions. I want to give you a couple passages of Scripture here. I'd like for you to write this down for your notes. John chapter 14, verse 12. You write it down for your notes. If you can turn there, go ahead and turn there. Now, get ready for your brain to hit a brick wall. Right? But that's a good thing. That's a good thing because God will expand our walls. He will expand our boundaries. He will begin to to stretch us and move us so that we grow and we just don't stay the same. So John 14, 12, it reads like this. Jesus is speaking. He says, hey, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Now, if you're like me, you love that verse. And it's also terrifying at the same time. Because I read the things that he does and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't know that I've done those things. And he's saying that the one that believes in him will do those things. So my mind is assaulted. Do I not believe? What's the difference between me and Jesus? Why is it that he does these things and with such confidence he could stand and say that statement? That he could stand and say, hey guys, you saw bread multiply, right? And you saw that water turn to wine. And hey, you remember all those lepers that were cleansed? Those people that were outcasts that would never get to see their families again? And now they're restored. They're at home. They're celebrating right now. Hey, do you remember that one woman that was hunched over and had been for years? Hey, do you remember that one lady that had the bleeding thing and she fought the crowd? You remember that? Hey, guys, all that stuff. Get this. You're going to do stuff just like that. In fact, you're going to do greater things than that. It probably would have been about that quiet. We're like, Hey, listen, we're really cool with you doing it. In fact, we love it. We're super comfortable with being your entourage. We're, we really love that, you know, where we all walk in together halfway through worship, you know, and everyone's kind of looking like, he's here, he's here, he's here. The man of God is here. We like that. Let's just keep it like that, Jesus, because I think we got a good thing going here. we got some good crowds. There's some really awesome things happening, you know. People like the way we have this set up, so I think we just really shouldn't mess with a good thing. Good talk. (laughs) We're really cool with you doing it, but when you stand and you say, hey, guys, you remember all those things, remember them. Just think about them for a second. Now, get this. You're going to do them. You're going to do them and then some. Woo! Do you hear, like, the sound of tires screeching to a halt? Like, Yeah. And then he says this, and I'm glad he says this, because this actually helps my mind to, to, to have a, a little relief. He gives a because. He, he says why this is going to happen. He, he says, hey, you're going to do these things. In fact, you're going to do more because I go to the Father. Now, here's where we have to take the word into to a full account. What does that mean for him to go to the Father? Why did Jesus always talk about going to the Father? Why did he say it was a good thing for him to go to the Father? Why was it that he was always encouraging people to be excited because he was going to the Father? He reveals to us in the Word that he's going to the Father for this reason, for this purpose, to send us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The same Spirit that is functioning and operating in all of his ministry. The same spirit that is at work as he preached. As he delivered the Beatitudes. As he laid his hands on the lepers. As he began to prophesy and reveal the will of God to the Pharisees who waged war against all that was righteous and just. As he functioned in ministry in perfection. That was the spirit that's at work. The same spirit that he would pour out on you and me. That's why he could say such a bold statement. Hey, all of these things, you're meant to do them. Don't become comfortable being part of the entourage. But understand that you have a calling. You have an anointing on your life for the very same Spirit of God that is flowing and operating through my words and actions to flow and operate through yours. Wow. And Jesus reveals more and more of this possibility that I could do the things that he does, that you could do the things that he does, as he reveals more and more how this actually works. And I like knowing how things work. I love to know how things work. So much so that I have broken things trying to figure out how they worked, and then they didn't work anymore. I remember encouraging my kids to take apart our DVD player they got it apart pretty good. They didn't go back together. But I think if we can take this apart, we could learn something awesome here. Something really incredible. That Jesus is making this declaration not to position himself in, in any superior spot. Why well, I do these things. Maybe one day you can. But to elevate each one of us. Hey listen, you're going to do the same stuff and then some. All because I'm going to go to the Father. And then He's going to release the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit that is in and on me right here, right now. On you. In you, through you. Abiding, functioning, operating. Jesus says a couple of things. I think it's good to take these down so that we can come into an awareness and an understanding. If you're taking notes, I think it's important to write these down. If you're able to turn there, you can. John chapter 12, verse 49. And you can write down John 14, verse 10. Now these are not the only places. This isn't exclusive. It's just not exclusive. There's other places in the Scripture. These are just the two that I jotted down for the purpose of today's message. Now in these passages of Scripture, you're going to see Jesus revealing something. He's going to show you the how. It's like lifting the hood and showing you the engine. Some people are mesmerized by the car itself. Other people want to see what makes it tick, what makes it run. And God is very interested in revealing the how. Remember, when Moses encountered God, he wanted to know how. He said, show me your ways that I might know you. I don't want to just know about you, but I want to know you. Show me your ways. I don't just want to see the result of your existence. I want to see how you do it. I want to see why you do it. I want to know your motives. I want to know your heart. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes so that I can truly know you. And Jesus is revealing to us everything that's going on behind the scenes. Oh, we see the healings. We see the miracles. We hear the messages. That's all up front. It's all great. It's all amazing. But it's all up front. And Jesus would stop to show us behind the scenes. Not just what happened, but why it happened. And if you look up those passages of Scripture, you're going to find something similar. He's going to be saying this. He's going to be saying, you know what? I don't speak my own words. I don't speak my own words, but I speak what I hear the Father saying. You'll find places in the scripture where he says, I don't do my own things. I'm paraphrasing that, obviously. But I do what I see my father doing. I want to say this again, and not just for theatrical purposes, but I really think it needs to soak in. Jesus is revealing what makes the ministry that he operates in work. I don't say my own words. But I say the words that I hear my Father saying. I reveal the message of God. I reveal the will of God. You could take His statement there and you could rightly substitute this. I prophesy. I don't say what I want to say. I don't say what my flesh is provoked to say. I don't say what I think they want to hear but I say what my Father in heaven is saying. I reveal the message of God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And you know, he begins his ministry revealing this. He begins the ministry as he... Testifies what's written out of Isaiah. Now, we celebrate this scripture a lot here in the church out of Luke. Jesus takes the scripture from Isaiah and he reads, and it reads like this The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. We can stop right there. Think about that statement. The Spirit of God, the Almighty God, all holiness and power is on me because. I want to hear that cause, right? because this is why the Spirit of God is on Jesus and why the Spirit of God would be on us. The Spirit of God is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim, release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What do you hear there? Preach and proclaim, preach and proclaim, preach and proclaim. To speak, but not to speak your own words, but to speak what you hear God saying. To reveal the message of God to the poor. To reveal the message of God to those in captivity. To reveal the message of God to those who are afflicted. To reveal the message of God to those who are in darkness. To reveal the message of God. To prophesy. I told you we'd find out what Jesus' testimony is. You can write this down for your notes. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. If you want to turn there, you can. Book of Revelation way in the back there. Chapter 19, way in the back of that. But it's pretty cool to see it with your eyes, to see it on the page. Jesus' testimony, right? And I know it's a bit of a stretch to say it like this, but let the words speak for themselves. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What? They didn't teach me that in my old church. The testimony of Jesus. His life story, if you were going to break down or explain his ministry, there would be at the foundation of it, the identity of all that his life makes up. And it's the spirit of prophecy to not speak of his own initiative, but to reveal the message of God, to reveal the message of God, to reveal the message of God. And as Paul would write to believers with his anointing to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to be a voice that would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to minister to saints some 2,000 years later, sitting right here, right here, right now in this room. He would say, oh, I pray that you all would prophesy. Because it's the testimony of Jesus to not speak from your own initiative. Your own initiative can be corrupted by your own carnality, your own selfish ambitions, by fear of man, your own voice can be corrupted by all of these outside influences that are looking for ways to compromise the message of God. But if we can come to a place where we won't speak from our own initiative, rather we pause, even if it means waiting, and I know waiting is a bad word in the church, but even if it means I don't say anything at all, and I have to just sit quietly, I want to hear what God would say about this, and then I want to say that. The entire ministry of Jesus Christ is founded upon him not speaking from his own initiative, but speaking or revealing the message of God. And that call falls to each one of us as believers to prophesy. I want to give you a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to paraphrase a little bit of it. I believe that it's powerful, and I think that we need to study it in our own time, you can look at it in Ezekiel chapter 37. If you want to go ahead and turn there, you can turn there. I do encourage you to read it in your own time for the sake of just being encouraged that God does amazing things. But beyond God simply doing amazing things, He does amazing things through people. I've got news for you. You're a person. So in Ezekiel chapter 37, you have a situation where the prophet of God, the one that is called to prophesy, now this represents you, it represents me in this situation. Obviously, he's an individual person that really exists with an anointing and a call on his life. But for the sake of us talking about prophesying, this applies to me and you. He's faced with a problem. He's taken to a place A place of desolation. That's a big word for me to use. But I'm trying to find a word that just communicates absolute desperation. There is no solution in sight to the problem that he is standing right in the middle of. He's taken to a place where there's a valley that is so dry. It's filled with death. There's nothing but bones from end to end. And the scripture goes out of its way with animated language to communicate that these bones are old and dried out. It's not just something that's filled with death. It died a long time ago. This is a big issue, a big problem, and he's right in the middle of it. Now, we deal with big issues and big problems. We deal with things like that. Whether the things that we're called and we're set in the middle of or whether they're things we've caused and we're set in the middle of. And I've caused my share. But to be in the middle of an issue, God asks a question. He asks the prophet. He, imagine him asking you, hey, can these bones live again? Look around you. Look how absolutely hopeless it seems. You think they can live again? And I love his answer. I think we all ought to adopt his answer. It's the most brilliant it's, it's like perfection. I don't even think he meant to. I think he's looking back and be like, man, I'm glad I said that. <laughs> he says, God, you know. <laughs> he refuses to answer for himself and say, well, sure they can. And with a humble heart, he just says, I, you're the only one that knows that. You're the only one that can answer that. You're the only one that could bring solution to this problem. I'm not going to speak from my own initiative, but what do you say about it? is basically what he's saying. And then God gives an instruction. He says, prophesy. Prophesy. Prophesy to the bones. Now I want you to think about that for a second. He's telling him, talk to the bones. Talk to the problem." And tell the problem, this is what I say. Come together. He goes on to expand what he's saying about the bones coming together and the flesh being formed. And then it says this, that the prophet, now remember this represents me and you dealing with a problem or a situation. After hearing what God says to say, he then goes and he's confronted. Do I say what God says and risk looking foolish? Do I just keep my mouth shut? And just kind of live with it the way it is, you know. I mean, the bones are dead, but I'm okay. So, you know. But he goes and then he prophesies. He reveals the will of God. This is what God has said to this seemingly hopeless situation. Bones come together. Now, if you're looking there in your Bible, you'll see something. When he says this, it says, and there was a sound, or there was a noise. If you have a Bible that has references in it and then literal translations, you'll see that word literally is there was a voice. He said, bones come together, and there was a voice. And the bones began to rattle. So if the bones began to rattle then, we know that it wasn't the bones rattling that was the sound. He began to prophesy, and then there was a voice. He began to prophesy, and then there was a voice. I believe the voice of God is waiting to be released into all kinds of problems to bring about the success which God is sending His Word for. The question is, will we prophesy and then see that voice? Will we speak? Will we say the words that God is saying? Or are we sitting around just waiting for it to happen? I believe that prophet would have sat there in the heat and become dry bones himself had he not spoken. But he spoke. Bones, this is what God says. And he revealed the message of God. And that voice was released. What voice? The voice of God was released. The voice of God was released through the prophet the same way that Jesus would say, I don't speak my own words. I speak the Father's words. When he spoke what God was saying, the voice of God was released into the problem and then the bones began to rattle. Flesh was formed on them. And the word says they stood, but there was no life in them. So yeah, the problem looks better, but it's just not perfect yet. So now I'm confronted with this. Am I okay with that? Because that's a pretty good day at work. You know, we managed to clean up this mess. And God says something else. He says, now prophesy to the wind. And the prophet then goes and he begins to prophesy and reveal what God said concerning the wind. To enter in, to bring life and breath into what was once dead. The prophet goes and he stands and he begins to reveal the will of God. And it's such an animated piece of history here. It's such an incredible thing to, to visualize in your mind. Can't you just hear the wind whistling in from a distance? And don't you know what that would make you feel inside after you'd spoken those words and then you hear it coming? Yeah. And then those that were lifeless standing. Breathing in life. And God reveals the purpose for all of this. It's revealing of what He's going to do with Israel. It's revealing of what He's going to do in the earth. That the death and the corruption that's the result of sin that leaves us all as worthless as dry bones out in the desert is going to be shattered. That the Ministry of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy is going to enter into the earth and reveal the will of God. And we, like those dry bones, will come together and receive the spirit of God. And it says we'll be an exceedingly great army. How awesome is that? But all of that hinged on one man's prophecy. One man's willingness to stand in what seemed hopeless. And reveal the will of God. We have that call. We have that call and that anointing on our life. To function and operate just like Jesus. To have it make perfect sense when we consider that He said, Hey, the things I do, you're going to do in greater things than this. Because God is going to send the Holy Ghost. All because I go to the Father. I want to give you a few things that can prevent prophecy in our lives. So that we can get these things out of our lives. I want to know what God says about a situation so that I can say... I can reveal what His will is in that situation. Now these are things that if they exist in my life can hinder and prevent my ability to operate as God has called me and anointed me to operate in the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'll give you a few passages of Scripture. We'll read through them very quickly, but you're welcome to visit them in your own time. I don't think that this is absolute. There's probably other things. And as you receive other things, oh, please... Let me know so that we can celebrate them as a body. Because I don't want these things in our lives. I think we're called to prophesy. I think we're called to reveal and unveil the will of God into seemingly hopeless situations and see powerful things happen. It'll be difficult to function in that spirit of prophecy if we have rebellion. If you're taking notes, you can write down rebellion will prevent prophecy. Remember, you can't reveal what God is saying if you don't know what He's saying. It's important for us to be able to hear what the message of God is, hear what the will of God is, whether it's spoken word or written word or both. Rebellion will be an issue. You can take this down for your notes, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. It starts with an if. Remember, we always kind of acknowledge this because it's important. If is conditional. If a certain condition is met, good or bad, this following result will come to pass. In this case, it's bad. If you will not listen to the voice of God. If you won't listen to what His message is. If God is speaking and you just don't like what He's saying because it means you're going to have to give up this, give up that, and you like this and you love that, so you just decide to la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, you're going to have a problem. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 reads, If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against His voice. If we won't listen to it, by definition there is what we read, that means we're rebelling against it. If God's giving us instruction and we're refusing to listen to it, it means we are rejecting or rebelling against His instruction. If you will not listen to the voice of God, rather or but, you rebel against the voice... His hand, or the hand of the Lord, will be against you. I got news for you, man. That's crazy bad news. You don't want the hand of God against you. You don't win that one. You know what's funny? You read that verse and you don't get any amens. Right? Nobody hears that and they're like, Hallelujah! There's got to be a willingness to hear it. The things that are written in here, are we willing to be led by them or do we want to adjust them slightly to fit what we think life should look like? That's a major assault going on in the world we live in right now. To dissect the word of God, cut out pieces of it, celebrate it in part, partiality. But there's got to be a willingness to say, I want that to change me. I don't want me to change that. Another thing that will hinder our ability to prophesy, to reveal the will of God is idolatry. I don't think like Indiana Jones style idolatry, the golden statues and things like that, though those things do exist. But anything that comes before God, anything, just take a look at Abraham. If you're not familiar with the story, don't let this distract you. But Abraham being asked to offer up his own son Isaac, it was only when he wouldn't let anything come before God that God said, wait, I see now. You've proven, you've made it clear for generations to come. They'll know what it takes. I'm first, always. Isn't that awesome? And you've got to look at Isaac. Isaac was a gift from God. He was a good thing. But good things when misprioritized become bad things. They've got to be in their proper place. Idolatry can happen through even very righteous things that God's given us when we begin to focus on those things above or before God. Celebrating the gift and not the giver. Idolatry. I want you to write this down for your notes. This is actually one of the a favorite passages of scripture. This passage of scripture has a tremendous and profound influence on my life. Because there are times where I might have trouble hearing the voice of God. There are times where I don't feel like I'm accomplishing the will of God. And this passage of Scripture has caused me to pause and examine my own life, my heart, my mind. Psalm 115, you'll see in the beginning passages. I'm going to paraphrase it that idols are silver and gold, they're the work of man's hands. goes on to describe them. and says, you know, they have eyes and they can't see. They have ears and they can't hear. They have a nose they can't smell. They have a mouth, but they can't speak. A throat they can't make a noise. I mean, you can read the whole description there. It means they look like they should be able to accomplish things, but they can't. And then when you get to the bottom of that description, you're confronted with this truth that those who make them will become like them and all of those who serve them. So when I find myself having ears but not being able to hear, I have to ask myself, "Uh, Father, what have I put in front of you? And will you please reveal it to me? I have to search my heart for idols, misprioritization of things. They might even be godly things or good things. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But one thing's for sure, they've got to be put in their proper place or they have to go all together. Because we need to hear the message of God before we can reveal the message of God. And I want our ears to work. I want to give you a third one here and we're going to begin to close with this. Pastor Jared, if you want to make your way up here, you're welcome to. Another preventer of having the effect of the ministry, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy active in our life. Misdirection. Misdirection. That's just the way I wrote it down, so let me just explain it to you. I'll give you a passage of Scripture. I told you before as we open the service, we're going to find out what we need to talk to. What we need to talk to. We're going to find that out now. You can take it down for your notes. Matthew 17, 20. You're welcome to turn there. I think it's important to see the words. If you have the ability to view them. And when you look at the scripture, consider this. That the maker of heaven and earth saw fit to write this down so that you could read it right here, right now. And it's not like it's an encyclopedia. Your Bible probably no more than thirteen or 1,400 pages. Much of it confirms what was written before. So that should just tell us the importance, the priority of the words that God would speak to us. So Jesus is speaking and he's speaking to me and he's speaking to you and he says this. He says, you, who's you? Yep, that's you, baby. You know who you are. He says, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And I love this last part. This is another one of those brick wall, screeching tires moment because we're all okay with testifying, singing and quoting that nothing is impossible for God. But then Jesus speaks and He speaks to you and He says, hey, you're going to tell that mountain to move and it's going to move. And nothing is impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. When we step into any situation... I mean, let that valley full of dry bones serve as an example. No matter how hopeless, no matter how desolate, when we step into any situation, our awareness by the Holy Ghost needs to be, nothing is impossible for me right now. Not because of any merit of my own, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy That would be released into my life by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, catch this. The Word promises this. The Holy Spirit never speaks on His own initiative, He speaks what Jesus says. Well, Jesus never speaks on His own initiative, He speaks what the Father says. So there's this chain of communication from heaven to earth, and it starts with God the Father, He speaks. He speaks to the Son. The Son then declares the Holy Spirit. Takes the words of Jesus and brings them to you. Shares them to you. And then our call is to release them into the world. Words straight from the Father. From Father to Son to Holy Ghost to Saint. And then released to bring about the success that God sent it for in the first place. That's the anointing that we carry. Now I mentioned misdirection because that happens to me a lot. Even now. I mean, I'm, I can preach the message and I'll probably deal with this this week. Or I'll face something, deal with something. And find myself in prayer saying, Father, please, please do this, please do this. When my call isn't to talk about the problem, but my call is to talk to the problem. I've spent more of my prayer time wasted talking to God about mountains instead of telling the mountain what God says. And that's the anointing that we carry. To tell the mountain. To talk to the mountain. So, you know, I mean, Jared's playing and it gets a little slow and maybe a little emotional, but I want you to dial in and catch this point. I want us to do this. You don't have to, but I'm asking you to at least consider it. Hey, maybe for this week I'm going to try this. I don't care if I look silly. I'm going to start talking to problems. If people were to drive by or walk by, they would think, man, you're crazy. Who are you talking to? I don't care. I'm going to talk to problems. I've got news for you. Every good thing in my life after being born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, has involved talking to some problems. I've known serious bondage and addiction. I was born again. I knew that I felt something different in my life. But I still had to deal with the same problems that were there before. Only this time, I was able to deal with them. Because of a sensitivity to be aware of what God says to the problem. To be able to reveal to that problem what the will of God is. To be able to tell addiction, He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. This is what the Lord says. You don't even have to say it with aggression. But to reveal the will of God is to operate in Prophecy. And to operate in prophecy is our calling. I want to ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.